Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. Today's reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent you, so send I you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in his book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Happy Easter. Always after Easter, we read this story that is so commonly known as the story of Doubting Thomas. But every time I encounter this story, I am reminded of just the awe and the mystery and the wonder of what it means to be a person of faith. So the story goes like this, right? So after Jesus's death and resurrection, the disciples are in a locked room, right? They're afraid of the religious officials. And into this space comes the resurrected Jesus. And the first thing he says is, peace be with you, right? Throughout scripture, whenever anyone comes with an important message from God, the first words spoken are, peace be with you. Now, notice that the disciples don't recognize who Jesus is. Why? Because he's been made new. He is a new 
creation. And it's not until they see his wounds that they realize who it is. And then something really cool happens. Jesus breathes on them the gift of the Holy Spirit. This word breath takes us all the way back to the very beginning of the story in Genesis. When God breathes life into humanity, breathes life into creation. And now this creative force, this gift of the spirit is given to the disciples. Here, not only through Jesus's death and resurrection is Jesus made anew into a new creation. So are the disciples. They have been made new as well. Sent out into the world after receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit to set all people free from anything and everything that holds them back from living as the children of God they were created to be. The disciples here are sent forth into the world to live out God's mission of oneness. Oh, but our brother Thomas, he's not there to witness any of this. And when he comes back, the disciples are trying to tell him, you won't believe who we just saw, right? And Thomas says, "Mm mm-mm. I'm not going to believe unless I see Jesus with my own eyes and I touch Jesus's wounds with my own hands, I won't believe. And so the disciples, as the story goes, are back in the room again. Thomas is with them and the resurrected Jesus once again appears in their midst. And Thomas sees Jesus with his eyes and he touches Jesus's wounds with his own hands. And Thomas confesses, my Lord and my God. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. In my humble opinion, I, I feel that Thomas has gotten a really bad rap over the centuries in the life of the church. Like somehow you can't be a person of faith and you can't doubt at the same time. I don't know about you, but I've had plenty of doubts over my lifetime. But the Greek word that we translate here for doubt is better translated as trust. What's happening here is that Thomas doesn't trust. He doesn't trust that God can raise Jesus from the dead and make him into a new creation. Thomas doesn't trust that God can take us and all of our beautiful messiness and through death and resurrection, recreate us into new human beings. But I guess as I've gotten older, what I've really come to appreciate with Thomas is his admittance that a life of faith isn't as matter of fact as we like to think it is. So often it's lived in the gray spaces and places of life. Thomas reminds me at least that faith isn't about a destination, rather it's a journey. One where we never fully arrive because God is never done with us yet. We're always works in progress. You see, to trust, it doesn't mean that we have it all figured out. Nor is trust about some strict adherence to rules or dogma or theology. Instead, trust, rooted and centered in our God who can raise the dead back to new life, leaves room for uncertainty. And through the gift of the spirit, we are invited into this spirit-filled patience. Where yes, we trust that God's life and love win, even if we can't see it. 
Even when the road ahead is uncertain, even when the way is dark, we know that God is here. Now, you might be thinking this, well, PL, that's great. You're telling me just trust, just trust, right? Like it's so easy. I stand here before you today to tell you it is not easy to trust, especially when the way grows dim. I know that sometimes I falter there and I need the gift of community to remind me who and whose I am and that our God is a God of goodness and grace and mercy. But I want to share with you how it is that at least I, in a contemplative way, regain my footing and my grounding when it's hard to trust. You've probably heard the phrase, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So what I do is I look back. Now, yes, I can look back to when things in life were going well and there were celebrations and joys and and things like that. But more often I look back in the times in my life when I was experiencing grief, brokenness, pain, loss, confusion. And in those moments, I always experienced a God of extravagant love. I always experienced a God of radical grace and mercy and forgiveness. I always experienced a God who was able to take my life of my valley of dry bones and reconnect them sinew by sinew and breathe new life into me. I always experienced a God who was able to raise the dead back to new life. So why in the world would I think that God would be any different in this time and in this space? The God who called me and called you into existence, who formed and shaped us, who has claimed us and called us God's own and we belong to God. God was and is and will be alpha and omega, the beginning and end. God is love. God is good. That's who God is. And that is what gives me the courage and the strength to trust. That's the promise of the empty tomb, right? That even in humanity's darkest moments, even when we rejected the son of God and said no to God's mission in our world, God continued to say yes to us by raising Jesus from the dead. And it's when life is unknown or certain or gray, or we're just not sure, or we have a hard time trusting, when we are reminded of that promise of the empty tomb, we're reminded that our God is always with us. Our God will never leave us nor forsake us. And there's nothing we can do to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is God's promise. So, my dearest Abiding Hope family. It has been an absolute honor and blessing and gift to serve as one of your pastors here for seven years. Well, I guess you might be able to add one for internship as well, but I wasn't officially a pastor then. I wanna say thank you because what you've done is that you have expanded my heart to more fully love. And you've shown me the beauty and what it means to fully embrace who it is that God has called and created me to be in the world. And for that, I am eternally grateful. I will always carry with me the stories that we've shared, the life that we've participated and done together, 
the, the laughter, the tears we've cried. I will carry that here. And I also want to say thank you for all of the, the love that you've shown my husband and our two precious boys. You will always be an important part of our story and always carried here with us. Because you abiding hope, you not only know the story, you live the story. You live the story of our God who can raise and does raise the dead back to new life, who rolls away stones and empty tombs. And you, my brothers and sisters, you have taught me how to trust. So please know that I will always be holding you in prayer. And through that promise of the empty tomb, may God continue to strengthen you and give you the courage and the guidance and the direction as you equip all to be the heart, hands, and feet of Jesus in the world so that all people may experience real life. And so today, I extend my love to you, my gratitude, my thankfulness, and may God's peace and blessings surround you today and always. Amen.